Well, can we say hallelujah this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is Lord. Amen? Amen. And Father, now we come in worship to the one who matters most. And we will give you everything we have. Amen? Let's worship him this morning. Father, we say that you are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of all praise, all glory, all honor. Can we say amen? It's good to have Pastor Mark back in the house. (coughs) Come on up, Pastor Mark. Now again, he's fighting something as well, but you know what? It doesn't stop the word of the Lord from being declared. Amen? So let's receive the word of the Lord today. Amen. So good to be here. So let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the truth that sets us free. Thank you, Lord, that you are building a wave of, uh, of your glory. You're releasing rivers into deserts. You're releasing, refreshing into the earth, and one day the earth is gonna be filled with the life of God, with the knowledge of the glory of God. And Father, thank you that we have the opportunity to be a part of that. And everybody said, amen. Well, uh, I just came back from Austin, Texas, and uh, I was there for about 11 days, and I actually didn't even make it home because of a delayed flight and ended up staying uh, at the Edmonton Airport and then went right away to Red Deer to another set of meetings. And I, I got to experience a couple of things, and it's not new, but throughout these meetings in Austin, Texas, which is a very significant prayer strike, strategic for what God is doing in the U.S. and in that region, um, but I, I've been a student of the kingdom for a long time. I want to answer the questions. I want to understand, you know, God, if you're building the kingdom of God, what does that building look like? And, you know, we've talked about this before. We have this idea of the ethereal, of the invisible being, you know, cloudy, opaque, without substance. And so we illustrate it with clouds, you know, and that's because we can't conceive of substance on the other side of the veil. In our mind, that, that because it's distance and un- untouchable, it, therefore it has no, no weight to it, no structure to it. Uh, let me tell you that that's completely, completely, completely false. That the realm that has the least amount of structure is the one you're in right now. The one with the least amount of substance is the one you're in right now. And so I always quote, quote that scripture from Hebrews that says is that, that what is seen is being held together by what is not seen. And uh, it's true anatomically, you know, in terms of physics, in terms of the, the composition of, of the world, as it is spiritually true. And so those things right there are a reflection of a reality that the kingdom of God is being built with concrete things. So in my heart, it's always been, the question has always been in the, the pursuit of my whole life is, God, how does this work? How does it work? Like, what are the building blocks? You know, when, I, when you build a house, you know, we do stick frame houses with two by fours or two by sixes. But if you were building, let's say, with bricks, you know, the brick 
is, is the, the base unit that you use. It is the, the benchmark piece of construction equipment. You put one on top of another and you build a wall or whatever using these individual bricks. The block is the, 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 the main component. So let me ask you this. We're looking for revival. We're looking for the kingdom of God to advance. We're looking for, for the earth to be changed. We're looking for people to, you know, we measure those things that we're looking for in terms of activities, but there's something beyond the activities that constitutes the, uh, the kingdom of God. It's actually, it's actually the structure and not just the activities that are propelled by motivational gifts for one. Anybody heard about motivational gifts lately? right? Motivational gifts are great, and it compels a certain kind of behavior. But aside from that, there's a, a tactile uh, element, you know, that, that, is, that constitutes what God is releasing in the earth. What are the individual units of what God is releasing that we participate in so that we can increase the kingdom? That's, that's the question. Like, you, you should be asking that. What is my role? What am I supposed to be? You know, I come to church. You know, I look around. Okay, I guess we're doing this today. You know, when I was a young kid, we went to the Catholic church, and there was a lot of genuflexing and repeating after me and all kinds of things like that. And that's what, that's what the meeting was. This is what it meant to be a Christian. You go there, and, you know, you, you, you watch for signals. Oh, I guess we're getting on our knees now. Here we go. You know, now we, we stand up. Now we can sit down. Now we repeat after me, right? It, it's all very artificial. It's all very ritualistic, and it's, it's this, uh, this demanded obedience, you know, and that's the way men build things. And they can't help it because we're just clueless, and so well, let's create a format that's uniform, that everybody does, and that's, that's, that'll be the Christian meeting. And then somebody comes along and says, well, let's do one that's better. Let's add this component. Let's, let's add this, and you know, this 30 seconds of spontaneous sound. Whoa, earth-shattering, revolutionary. <laughs> and, but what is it really supposed to look like? What are the building blocks, and what is your role in that? What is God looking for you to do on a Sunday morning, on a Wednesday night? Or for that matter, when you are in your living room with two other people agreeing together on a prayer, a declaration, a scripture, is that thing, can that thing be as valid as what we do here when there's 200 of us? Or when we're in a stadium or a conference with 5,000 or 10,000 or whatever it is. What is more valid? And that's the, that's the point. You know what's, the, what's valid? Is what births the kingdom. So, how, well, how do we do that? We've, 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 we've learned the system. You know, and I mean, maybe it's been awkward for some of you coming to this church. It's like, they're not giving us a lot of cues here. You know, they're, like sometimes there's no words up there and we're supposed to be singing. Like, what do we do then? Like, you know, this is, this is very intimidating. I don't want to do it wrong, but they're not telling me what to do. <laughs> well, I, I entitled this Heaven's Meeting Blueprint. And what is it? An orchestrated free-for-all. It embodies the the opposing, almost ridiculous, 
uh, what's that word for when things don't match together? Paradox, yeah. Uh, you know, they're, they're, but this is the reality. I was thinking about it the other day, and I was thinking, okay, how do you, how do we illustrate what is the image for what it is we're looking to do? Uh, it's, uh, I, I think of the flock of birds. Have you ever seen a flock of birds, you know, that, that there's like hundreds of them, and they're, they're going, and I mean, they're turning on a dime, and it's like there's, there's hundreds of them, but they seem to know what each other is doing. Can you imagine the planning meeting that was behind that? <laughs> right? Can you imagine all the schematics, all of the, the lines? Okay, Jerry, about 30 seconds in, you gotta count this precisely. We're gonna do a hard left. All right, don't, don't, don't miss this because you're gonna run into Margaret and she hates that, you know? And, and so, but, but there seems to be this intuitive capacity to and that picture probably represents better what church should be than the orchestrated, delineated version that we've come to accept as normative. That's, that's what we're going towards. But the question is, well, how do I do that? How do I do that? Yeah, exactly. Right, Brian? How do you do that? It's like, man. Well, this is what it says in John chapter 3, verse 8. You're familiar with this? It says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a mystery. But then he says this, so is everyone. Everyone who is born of the Spirit. So I'm throwing this out there because not to, not to condemn you, not to say, you know, you're doing it wrong, but how are you doing it according to this measure? You know, how, how, how easy is this for you? How do, do you know what to do? Just the other day we were in a meeting and there was nothing scripted and it was great and I, I began to see a prophetic picture of, of a rose sort of burning, busting out of the ground and I'm looking across and, and uh, Casey is there with his phone open already, he's flashing it to me and he comes up to me and he reads, he reads the definition of the Rose of Alberta that I just talked about. He already had it. Well, who told him? Who, who told you guys to synchronize your thoughts like that? Nobody. As many as are led by the Spirit. As many as are like the wind that is unpredictable in terms on a dime. And who told it? We're living and moving by an impulse that's beyond what we think, beyond what we feel, beyond what the order of service dictates we do. We are responding to an invisible leading, an invisible wind. And that's what we're learning to do. And here's the thing, the kingdom of God advances in as much as we can do that. That is the basic building block that I see and I do. Jesus said this, he said, he, characterizing his own ministry, he said, the words I speak uh, are, are, are spirit and life, and I only say what I hear the Father say. Wow, oh, that's, a, that's a tall order. I'm not even sure what the Father's saying. You know, it's like, I better just shut up. Better not say anything. You know, I don't want to get it wrong. But this is our journey. This is what we're doing. We're not just learning to, well, you know, I've got to give 10% of my money, you know, and got to come to church regularly. And 
All of those things, all of those obligatory actions that funnel you into a certain kind of Christian lifestyle are meant to enhance and enable you to do this other thing. We gather, right, because we're learning what it means to walk together. So, uh, the epicenter of the kingdom on earth is built around this. The advance of the kingdom comes when you obediently respond to the spirit of God and do that thing. And so, there's no condemnation. We're learning to do that. We're learning to be obedient to that. And the proof uh, is in the pudding. What is created? I believe that there is a river of life that is going to uh, run through our nation. And it's consistent not of, you know, administrative systems and initiatives that are under the banner of, of, of this name and this product, or, but the, the basic building block is a people who release heaven on earth because they're connected with a spirit. So the alternative, right? Because the enemy doesn't know anything. Everything he does is a cheap imitation of what he saw in heaven, right? Everything he tries to reproduce is according to laws, but the inverse of laws in heaven. So everything he does is built on the same, same kind of idea. So some years ago, I shared with you, after coming back from Uganda, speaking to these, these uh, refugees from Congo. And, and as the Lord spoke to me, I didn't know what to say to these people. I mean, how do, you, how do you talk to people who had endured so much hardship, who had walked through so many, many evil things? And the Lord spoke to me and said, tell them they're not victims. Well, they had a lot of bad things happen to them, Lord. <laughs> but I'll take your word for it. And what he gave me was a prophetic picture. He's, and it comes out of James. It says, where do wars come from? Where do wars come from? Well, you know, it, it comes from governments. It comes from people in power, people who have their finger on the button, the, the ones who are not us, the, the other ones. And that is false. The apostle James said wars come within, from within us. Let me tell you, this is the reality. The kingdom of God comes from within you, and wars that advance the kingdom of darkness come from within you. And so what I saw when I was sharing that, I saw this, this picture of a flood. And I remember as a kid watching a Tarzan movie or something way back, and, and there was a flash flood. And, you know, people were camping, and they're just there. They're on dry ground, and everything's great. And all of a sudden, a river comes where there was dry ground. And I'm thinking, whoa, this was so crazy for me. The concept of it was earth I thought, where did that, that is, like, it was a mystery to me how that happened. Where did that come from? That's, so, that's a lot of water. You know, it would take a lot of cups being pulled over to, poured over to get that much water. And so I remember thinking, how does that happen? Well, like you, as a grown-up, maybe you didn't remember that first time you saw something like that and wondered about it. That, that's the way I think. Like, how does that work? How does that happen? But as I grew up, I realized, well, where does it come from? It comes from one single drop. Then another. Then another. 
then many more, then many, many, many more, and they gather as they pool on the ground and they begin to run downward and they begin to collect strength and power as they begin to merge with other little tributaries until they become a roaring torrent destroying everything in its path. And this is essentially what the Apostle James is writing about. Where do wars come from? You would like to think that it has nothing to do with you. You would like to think that it's people in power, but every time you release a murderous word, you are adding, you are adding to the weight of war that will come because you are the originators of war. Where does war come from? It comes from within you. We're, none of us are, if we're, if we're doing that, and many of us have, you know, get mad at some guy driving, Get mad at your political opponents, people on the other side of the aisle don't think like you, you know, and, and so we, we release venom, we release our discontent, our anger, and that, that release is substantive. It's a building block. It's real, and it's being gathered and collected for a di diabolical end. And what God is saying is, you could have the opposite. You could have revival. You could have life. You could have, the, you know, you talk about revival. You prophesy about revival. You wait for revival. But I'm telling you, revival is near you even in your mouth. Are you with me? So, uh, there's a lot more here to say than I could say this morning, but I feel pretty good right now. <laughs> now, let me give you the quick, uh, and I've talked about this before, so let me give you the, the, the building blocks of this where Jesus isolates this in his discussion with his disciples. And again, it's not new. You've heard this here before. And you're going to keep hearing it because we need to we need to be riveted on how the kingdom advances because sometimes we're we're so about you know moving the deck chairs on the Titanic, but the real source of the events that consume our nation, our province, our cities, are actually hidden from our eyes, and they amount to these kinds of things. So this is what. Jesus says to Peter, he's asking his disciples, of course, you know, who do men say that I am? Some, some say John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he says, well, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answers, said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. How does Jesus define those words? Now, something just happened. He, is, he, is, he had just spoke words that happened to be academically true. They're correct. Uh, Jesus is never about the correct answers. He's always about the source. He, he said, the words I speak to you are spirit and life. What I'm releasing is spirit and life. What I'm training you guys to do, basically, you may not know it right now, I'm releasing you, training you to release spirit and life because the rivers of revival and the movements that will shake the structures of the earth and bring the kingdom of God originate from one of us releasing a river a drop, a, a cup of water in the spirit, releasing eternal things. So this is how he describes it. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. 
And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is, this is one of those phenomenal interchanges on the structure of the kingdom that you will ever read in the New Testament. Jesus is saying to, to his disciples, they said, listen, look at this. Do you want to know where the kingdom comes from? The kingdom comes and is built on the activity of just one of you receiving revelation from heaven. That, uh, that the, the kingdom advances when there is a transaction whereby you get something from above and you release it down here. That's it. That's the building blocks of the kingdom. Now, what we've been duped into doing is creating a system where we all sit around and we take maybe the best articulate of us, you know, the one who can speak the clearest, you know, with the articulate things in an intelligent way. And, you know, we're just going to put him up front and have him do this. And the bulk of what we're going to do is listen to that guy. Now, that guy happens to me, be me today, right? And, and is what I'm doing valid? Yes, it is. But it is not the most significant part of the advancement of the kingdom this morning. The most significant part of the advancement of the kingdom was when you all were worshiping and you were releasing worship, the essence of a, of a substance of life in your adoration. You were with your own mouth speaking and releasing d divine truths that hopefully were born of a revelation. Because as you are doing that, and the more of us that are doing that in the room, Room, the more the thickness of the water of life that's being released. That is the advance of the kingdom. Not only that, but you know, when you go out and you are, you are moved by compassion and you buy somebody a, a meal, when you are moved by compassion and you take, you, uh, you, you do some kindness for somebody, you, you, you restrain the, the wickedness of your own heart when you're driving down the freeway and somebody cuts you off, right? Everything consists of the release and the constraint. We're trying to not be the gate of hell and be the gate of heaven. And I, on a quantum level, the, the sum total of everything, the aggregate of everything we're doing releases the kingdom of God. But it begins with what's coming out of your mouth. So this, this interchange here is, is so critical to our understanding of the kingdom of heaven. Now, uh, Romans 10, verses 8 to 10. Listen to this, because the war that's against you and what the enemy is trying to do is to shut you up. He's trying to get you to curse and try to keep you from blessing. And so, you know, when James is writing about this, he said, listen, you guys, uh, you're falling short a little bit because you're doing both. No, and this should not be. He didn't say it's not possible. He said you shouldn't be doing this. In fact, he was saying it because it was happening. Murmuring, complaining, accusing, 
rage, self, 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 uh, selfish ambition being released, and they're warring against one another. So he's, he's actually, the whole book of James is about the advance of the kingdom, and he's saying to them, you're one step forward, two steps back, because you don't understand that you are advancing the kingdom of, of light and darkness, both. Read the book. That's what it's really about. But what does it say in Romans 10? It gives us the, the, the layers of what constitutes a kingdom moment. Romans 10, 8 to 10. But what does it say? You can read the context later, but, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What is he saying? He's saying salvation is ignited by two things. The, the two parts of this thing, the two components are one, you believe in your heart and you speak with your mouth. If you believe in your heart but don't speak with your mouth, you're halfway there. You've done the first part. Is it good? It's great. But if you want to be one who's participating in the advance of the kingdom, if you want to kinetically be an initiator of the kingdom of God, you have to speak. Now, how significant is this? Let me tell you, the whole world is being set aflame by tongues today. That's what James is talking about. Like the, 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 the tongue of man is a small member, but it turns our whole body. And, and everything that we're seeing that's happening on college campuses, the potential release of the dogs of war in Israel and in the Middle East, and everything that's happening in Ukraine and Russia, everything that's happening in our political system, it's happening because people are speaking. Listen, the skill of articulating what you believe is essential for advancing the kingdom. I mean, I'm happy that you believe some things that I believe, but if you don't start learning to speak it, it's going to go nowhere. Well, where do I speak it? I tell you what, let's do this. Gather with two or three. And this is the, this is the building blocks to get to the kingdom. He says, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. Well, what are we doing there? We are... We are constituting or we are inaugurating an ecclesia moment, maybe a small scale ecclesia moment, but we're going to begin to bind and loose and declare. Well, you know, I'm not sure I'm allowed to do that. I haven't been to Bible college. <laughs> you don't have to go to Bible college to articulate what is true. I remember shortly after I was saved, I was in a prayer meeting with three ladies, one of them was my mom and two of her friends. And I was, I was blown away. I, I, was, I was listening to them pray. I was listening to their hearts be released for the First Nations in Northern Alberta. I was listening to their authoritative, discerning, articulate words that were binding and loosing, and I could feel the authority of what they're doing. And I thought, man, these ladies are spiritual giants. Well, they were spiritual giants because I was, I was a shrub. <laughs> but, but here's, later on, when I began to think about that, like who gave them the authority to do this? You know, who made them the arbiters of the advance of the kingdom of God on the reserve over there? 
Like, well, you know, what right do they have to do that? Well, where do they get that from? This is what, this is what Jesus is saying to Peter. Peter, the key to advance to the kingdom is you getting something from heaven. What gives you authority to advance the kingdom of God is you getting something from heaven. In other words, get better at doing that. And this is what the Lord is saying to you as a believer. There's all kinds of parts. Well, you know, I'm not really the speaking type. Listen, it's not about motivational gifts. This is about the essential uh, currency of what it means to be a Christian. You're not born again unless you believe and you speak. Nothing happens unless you believe and you speak. So let's get to it. We're not coming to this building to hear somebody for 30 minutes and that substitutes for our inactivity all week long. No, in fact, the reverse is, 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 is essentially what's happening. So uh, just to give you an example, uh, 40 or so of us had gathered for three days, no, two, two and a half, no, not even two days, it doesn't matter. <laughs> details, details, two days, but uh, I was just enjoying the meetings so much, and having just come out of Austin where we are doing something similar, uh, though a lot of the people there weren't familiar with this model of what we were doing, but as we gathered, it was very interesting because, because nobody, because you had a mature people, nobody's waiting to be told what to sing. And so when I, when I say, okay, let's just release our hearts to the Lord, the whole room lights up and begins to release their sound. But it, there's nothing written on the wall. Nobody told us what to say. Well, mature Christians, right? If you have a, if you have a relationship with the Lord, you don't have to be told what to say. You have a relationship. I mean, if you're still getting notes from your mom on how to talk to your wife, we need to have a talk, right? I mean, eventually, you might need that when you're fearful and you're young and I don't know how to talk to women, but if you've been married a couple of years, you know how to talk to your wife, hopefully. We're learning to interact with the eternal spirit of God. And what we're doing is we're releasing on earth what we're getting from heaven. Now... That's the basis. What, what makes a great meeting? More of that. Why? Well, I, I thought it was having a world-class speaker and singer. It's nice if you have that. That's great. But the power of the advancement of what happened, happens in the room is not based on how many of us swoon at the angelic nature of that voice. The breadth of what's happening depends on how many of us are releasing living water. Just like that flood. How many tributaries are feeding that torrent? We have the power to feed a torrent into the region that is Parkland County, into the city that is Spruce Grove, into the province that is Alberta. And the warfare against your life is to try to shut you down, to minimize your ability to do that, to, to get you to believe that it's not necessary, that it's for others to do. I mean, even Jordan Peterson, who, who's uh, one of the things he said to people, he said, listen, learn how to talk. Learn how to formulate thoughts and articulate them in the public square. Go and just do it. He says, he says, take your lumps. Do it badly. 
Lose an argument. You know, get some, you know, try to present an argument and, and, lo and lose in the course of doing that. But get better at doing it because what shapes the world is those who speak. Now, we're, we're so used to comparing ourselves with others. Yeah, but, but, but you know, even, even Moses did that. Oh, I, can, I can't speak, you know. Get somebody else to speak in my stead. Well, that wasn't God's first choice. Moses, I want you to speak. Moses cut off a significant part of what was his role because he was intimidated about his lack of ability to be articulate. Maybe he stuttered. I don't know. But he, he deemed in his own mind that, no, that's not my gift, so I'm not going to do it. And the spirit of, that is trying to shut you down has stolen from us the sense of the responsibility that when I say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that that matters. Not only in the sense that there's a collective agreement, but something is released from my spirit that Jesus called rivers of living water. Revivals aren't the product of God's goodwill so rescue is the product of God's goodwill. And sometimes he rescues a people that are inept and hapless in their spiritual life and don't understand how to, how to use the weapons they've been given. But that's not God's first plan. God's first plan is for you to understand what you've been given. The victory is near me, even in my mouth. Yeah, but I don't sing in tune very well. That's why we have others to cover you up. <laughs> and it's great if our intonation is excellent. But what matters more is that faith, what I believe is being released from my mouth. You know, this, this is the most essential, basic building block of the kingdom of heaven. How many times have you been in a meeting and you're thinking, oh, I've been thinking my friend there should get saved, my coworker, uh, if only I could bring him to this meeting. I tell you what, why don't you start speaking? Why don't you start finding the words? You know, what is it? It's a learning curve. You know, I, I said this thing, it didn't go anywhere, but then all of a sudden I felt this, I was praying about this, and I said this thing, and it seemed to make a, a dent in the, in the armor, in the unbelief. We have to take upon ourselves the responsibility to be the voice of God in the earth. Now, let me, let me quickly read a couple of passages and then we're gonna close. L listen, listen to these things. I'm gonna read three scriptures. Ephesians 5, 17 to 20. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Who's supposed to do this? Seems like everybody. See, he's talking about the basic building blocks of a meeting. Well, you know, but, but, but when, we're, when we're 200 people in a room, there's not enough time for everybody to do that. That's right, because it's not talking about this meeting. It's talking about the meeting when a handful of you are gathered in your house. You know what home groups are about? It's not just for fellowship. Fellowship is great. You know, warm moments over 
Some melted brie cheese on crackers is excellent. But your gathering with five, six, seven people is where you begin to do this. Where you begin to practice being a source of the kingdom. You don't get, you, 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 we get a corporate chance to do it, and if we do it there in our living room, chances are we'll begin to do it here, as opposed to letting everybody else be the sound of faith. Listen, uh, the bandwidth that you represent when you're here matters. It matters. It might not be picked up by the recording or the video displays or whatever, but it's, it matters in terms of its effect on our town, on our city. And what God is trying to raise up is people with power. So that when you're saying glory to God in the highest, it's not just praiseworthy language, it's subduing the very opposite that's being articulated by people walking under the spirit of the, this present age. Now, listen to this other scripture, 1 Corinthians 14, 26 to 33. How is it, brethren, whenever you come together, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation? Well, you know, and I've had people come and say, like, you know, the church is apostate because this is not happening. Yeah, well, those are the instructions when, when, you know, a dozen people were gathered. It's not possible with these kind of numbers. The church met house to house, and that's where people practiced doing those things, and that's where they became effective in the release of the power of life, and those that got better at it started to do it in public. If anyone's, but here's, listen to this. But let all things be done for edification. Uh, listen, I won't go through the rest of that. Let me go back to this one. First Peter 4, 10 to 11. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. Now, this is where it gets a, this is where the demand comes. What? The oracles of God. Do you know what the oracles of God is? <laughs> is that a hard question? The oracles of God. To say what God is saying. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies. That in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Our times together are simply this. They're opportunities for us to hone a skill of believing and releasing. Of believing and releasing, like Peter did, something that was revealed on high. Well, you know, how do I know if it's the Lord? Practice. Practice. Say it wrong. Say it badly. Say it with, uh, without power. Because just in doing that, you hear the dissonance and emptiness of your own words. And that creates humility. But most of us are rather, yeah, I'm not going to do that anymore. You know, I, I, got, I got up once to pray on a Wednesday night, and I did the room just kind of, <laughs> it's like, and Pastor Mark was looking at me, and he's like, the room's going, stop it, please. I, you know, part of it is like, I wanna, I'm more interested in saving my reputation than being a part of advancing the kingdom of God. I'm more interested in looking right. I wanna just do the things I know I do well and not anything that could compromise my image. 
That's what it comes down to. We're called to advance the kingdom of God. And the basic building block for advancing of the kingdom of God is believing something in your heart and speaking it. And if you keep doing that, you'll find a capacity to say it with more clarity, with more purity, and with more power. And that's the thing that will change our city. When hundreds of us in this region don't just go to church, don't just pay money so somebody who, the, who, who is the best of us as a, in terms of a speaker gets a chance to stand up where nobody else is listening, but so that we can go out to the grocery stores and to the lunchrooms and to our neighbors' houses and bring the word of the Lord. Bring the care of God through the things that we believe and articulate, not only through action, but through our words. Your words are the first initiating level of the release of the kingdom of heaven on earth. Let's stand up together. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have called us to be co-workers. You've called us to be joint heirs. You've called us to be co-creators with you, to, to articulate your word on earth as it is in heaven. Father, may we accept today the responsibility. Father, forgive us for making a priority of protecting our image. Forgive us for making a priority of not looking foolish. Forgive us for hiding behind those who do things better in order to preserve our own dignity. May we have the humility necessary to attempt, to fail even, to do things poorly so that we can be shaped by you to become oracles, to become ministering servants of the powers of the age to come. We pray in Jesus' name. Words carry the power of life and death. May we speak life everywhere we go, every environment that we're in. That's what we're called to do is to speak life because we are the light of what? We're the light of the world. So Father, teach us how to do this every day, every moment. It's the call on our life. Remove the fear and give us a boldness to do this wherever we are. It's a good word today, isn't it?